In this episode, we have an interview with the master of horror adventures, Matt Eager, and I bring you up to date with campaigns and achievements. Welcome to the official Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 16, Old Bones and Updates. Welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, Inwills, and August has been a great month for both Mithras and the podcast. First up, it was fantastic to be part of the Gen Con panel and meeting everyone. There are so many great supplements and resources being produced for the game, and I will definitely be first in the queue to purchase these. Also, it was great to hear about classic fantasy. This is a, a rule set which I haven't experienced, so it would be great to have a classic fantasy episode of the podcast in the future. Now, if I came across slightly befuddled in the Zoom meeting, I have to say that it was very late here in the UK, gone midnight. So I do apologise for my floundering words Usually, I have the option for retakes and editing while doing the podcast. Believe me, you don't want to listen to the podcast pre-production version. And the second great piece of news was that on the 8th of August, this podcast reached 5,000 downloads. I really can't believe how supportive you all are. I really enjoy producing the podcast and rules video. So it's great to know that you are out there enjoying and supporting the content. Again, and I probably say it too much, huge thanks. And remember, if you listen or contribute to the show, then we have achieved this together. With August coming to an end, I am assuming that many of you, like myself, are coming to the end of our summer vacations. As work, schools, colleges, universities start back up, we are probably getting back into our usual gaming cycles. We have been lucky that our campaign hasn't had too many breaks this summer. So here are our campaign updates. Now, if you've watched any of our actual play videos, you might be aware that I like to run a very narrative campaign. Rather than spending time on massive dungeon crawls and large-scale constant battles, I like to try and weave a murder and mystery campaign. I guess watching the reruns of those Miss Marple mysteries and those little grey cells of Hercule Poirot have brushed off on me. I like to have layers of plots which actually include subplots for the characters as well. Rather than using an overarching plot for the campaign, it is these subplots that link the adventures together. 
I found that having a large overarching plot, sometimes players can forget and tend to sometimes miss the links. Well, when they are focused around their own characters, then they tend to live the plot lines rather than having to remember them. Anyway, to cut a long story short, the party are coming to the end of a new adventure called the Lonesome Bridge Incident. I've been hosting this on World Anvil and the notes will be available as always. Cyrus, the new character, has really made his mark on the group. The red-robed sorcerers are known for their tactics and strategies and with his skill he has already taken on board the organisation of the group. The bridge is well known to many of the players from previous adventures, especially when they have been en route to Yubin Falls, and I wanted to make it the bridge a centre of an adventure. It's rather a small bridge, but I wanted to suddenly make it very important. Linked to this, I wanted to develop some political intrigue between three groups of people, the guild merchants who the party have worked with before in the adventure guarding the guild mistress, a bunch of crafters and a small group of local mercenaries. Each group have their own motives and I was hoping to split up the party for each character to side with one of the different groups to make the debates even more interesting. The party has certainly seen a lot of strange things happening in this adventure. Hazra had Brutus, his oxen poisoned, Hengis had all his wine skills in the house slashed, and Bartaby has received strange letters, and Cyrus got accosted by a strange soothsayer forecasting doom and gloom. They have been attacked by water goblins, found a dead body hanging in a tree, and at the end of the last adventure, they had to encounter a dagger-wielding merchant who looks like he has gone insane. All this has happened, but I'm not really sure the players know what is going on yet. Tomorrow, which I'm referring to Saturday in the past, is the finale of the adventure. So hopefully everything will become as clear as mud for them. If you are interested in unraveling the mystery, then do enjoy the sessions of the actual play on my YouTube channel. Links are in the show notes below. Okay. With campaign updates finished, let's move on. Remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then just drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews with people. I would really like to get a classic fantasy or Luther Arkwright and After the Vampire Wars episodes. So if you play those games and would be willing to contribute, then do get in touch. You can email me on inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. I'll put you at ease in the interviews and I'll do a wonder, wondrous job at editing. I can even make you sound like me. What? Did you really think this was my real voice? Anyway, you might have noticed that I've removed M space from the list of 
areas that I need contributions for. This is because it will actually be the focus of the October episode of this podcast. I've already recorded the interview since I like to work about a month in advance for the podcast episodes. And believe me, it's definitely worth a listen. So if you listened to last month's episode, and if you didn't, you can still go back and have a listen. It was titled Spooks, Spells and Specials, or maybe those three words in a different order. Well, wherever the spook part appeared, it referred to a title of a module called Brock Grondaff, a module for Mithras written by Matt Eager. We used it as a one-off adventure and found it extremely enjoyable. Most of the characters got out alive. Notice I said most. Anyway, I wanted to touch base with Matt in order to talk about Old Bones Publishing. So let's dive straight into the interview at the point where Matt introduces himself. I'm Matt Eager. I'm Matt E on the forums that we use for Mithras stuff. And I am the uh, sole proprietor of Old Bones Publishing. Tell me about Old Bones Publishing. What is that? What kind of company or publication is that? Uh, Mithras Adventures and Game Supplements. So far, we have three adventures. And I guess I counted them earlier, uh, six supplements. The supplements are of different types. They're guidelines for um, different kinds of rules that you might want to use in your game, expansions and stuff. Peoples and Pads, which is meant to illustrate cultures and maybe magical traditions. I only have one of those so far, but I'm eyeing some other ones down the road. Interludes which are meant to be small pieces. They're not scenarios, but they could be like, they're, they're more than two line seeds for scenarios, but they're not full scenarios. So that if your players, you know, if you need some filler action for between regular gaming sessions or your players go in an unexpected direction, you could maybe get some ideas and insert them in different places. And um, uh, denizens, uh, lists lists of characters for use with um, published scenarios uh, if you don't like the pre-gens that I include or if you're stuck for a character that would be suitable for this kind of game. So, so did you create Old Bones Publishing? Yep. Fantastic. And what made you do that? Um, partly egotism. <laughs> So the idea behind Old Bones is I wanted to I wanted to work on what I wanted to work on. There's not a huge profit motive, although I do believe that, you know, good work has value. So, you know, I price things. A lot of what we do is pay what you want. Some things are priced meant to be in line with um, normal scenarios and, and other products that you would see on drive through RPG which is where you can find us. The things that I like, I like sword and sorcery. I like horror and I like combining them. Uh, I like black comedy a little bit. Uh, that I don't write it specifically into the adventures, but there are moments where as a GM, you could probably stick something in pretty naturally. I've looked at some of your modules and played them. And I really like this aspect of the horror 
that comes across in there. Is that something that you really like to write modules based around, you know, that sleuthing, that finding out that supernatural? Is that something that you enjoy writing for? Yeah, it's something that I don't always necessarily set out to do, but I guess they're just themes and ideas that I keep coming back to. So no matter where I start, I end up writing those kinds of things. It must be in my brain somewhere. So like brings you back to that horror-esque sort of like genre or all the time. Right. I'm, I'm a fan of uh, uh, cosmic horror and, you know, Lovecraft and Friends fiction from the early part of the 20th century. And so that has had an effect on me. And, you know, Robert E. Howard and uh, Clark Ashton Smith, folks like him, uh, they, they were also writing Conan the Barbarian and Sword and Sorcery Tales, the stuff that appeared in Weird Tales magazine back in the day. And so there's a natural linkage uh, between these groups. And I think that that's why it always seems to find its way into my writing. Do you feel that Mythras, the Mythras rule set, can accommodate that sort of like horror-esque modules and adventures? Absolutely. One of the things that I've been speculating about for the past couple of years is, would it be maybe even better to run a Call of Cthulhu scenario with the Mithras rules. I mean, I like Call of Cthulhu very much. Its rules are purpose-built and, you know, derivative from uh, basic role-playing. I don't know which came first, actually, to be honest. I guess basic role-playing and RuneQuest 3 kind of came first. But anyway, um, I think that in some ways, if you you make the most natural small tweaks to the Mithras system, uh, it could probably do cosmic horror even better than call of cthulhu i mean the play's the thing that if you're if you don't like playing that kind of thing it doesn't matter what system you use and if you do like playing that thing it probably doesn't matter much what system you use but some systems make things easier yeah exactly and i think that's one of the reasons i l- enjoy the mythos rule set is because of adaptability and it's and flexibility, you know, and I've run, we have done some Call of Cthulhu adventures using those rules, but I totally believe that, you know, Mithras can do that as well, you know, and because for me, Mithras is really based on the narrative rather than this is how many hit points you've got, you know, can you go a round or two rounds with a dragon. And I and I think Call of Cthulhu has that those powers, uh the the strength of the occult in there, you know, those strange monsters that really could destroy the world um altogether. So tell us you what's just give us a, a an, an inkling, an idea about some of the modules that you have produced that listeners might be aware of of or which they can look out for have you got any titles that you sort of like always share well sure um the one you guys just played brock Grodath, that's a haunted house scenario with um cosmic horror elements in it not i mean you could spin it to be more you know victorian horror i guess but it's it's pretty uh tentacle laden i think <laughs> at some and, level yeah and of course i mean i did a review about it on the last um episode and oh we loved it we loved that sort of like that haunted house that horror um aspect of, of the adventure and um I, 
not knowing what's going to happen, I think, is key to that module. You know, it's, it's almost like what is going to happen next? And a lot of the times the players have no idea um, at all. That's really good. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. One of the main aspects of that adventure is meant to be disorientation. Yes. Right. And, and so it, glad that worked. It was interesting. Because I actually, I'm a lot of the time I produce maps for my playing session uh, with the parties, but I did it with that one because I wanted to keep that unexpected uh, what's through this door rather than seeing the map or, you know, seeing where they've been and, and where they've come from, which was brilliant. What about sword and sorcery? Um, what have you produced in the line of that. I'm going to go in chronological order, okay? The second adventure that we uh, put out was uh, called Secrets of Blood Rock. And that is, if you're familiar with the old Edward Woodward film, The Witcher, uh, no, no, um, The Wicker Man, the, the Wicker Man from way back in the day, it also had Christopher Lee in it. If you were to watch that movie while listening to uh, Iron Maidens, The Number of the Beast, you would pretty much get the vibe of that adventure. <laughs> so the, the characters start off in a town that sits in the shadow of a, of a mountain where there's a, a village that's reputed to be a little strange. And uh, things, have, things seem to have gone wrong up there, and these people might need help, especially before winter descent. When the characters arrive, they... Uh, begin to figure out that maybe things are not what they seem, then things can go wrong. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> you have me hooked on that one, definitely on my list to purchase. Yeah, so what came third? Uh, Savage Swords Against the Necromancer. Fantastic. I, I tried to cram in as many sword and sorcery tropes and stereotypes as I possibly could without being totally hackneyed. Maybe it's not hackneyed. Maybe it is. You be the judge. But I also wanted to push the limits on what characters could maybe endure in an adventure. It could, there's this whole note in the, in the back of the Mithras Core rulebook about, you know, Remember, combat's really dangerous in this game, and characters get beat up. And if you don't have tons of magical healing, they may not, you know, they they may get worn down very rapidly. And so I thought to myself, well, I wonder what would happen if you really did <laughs> try to push that. Hopefully, it's not a TPK situation. There are some scenes where it could be. And again, it's got cosmic horror and sword and sorcery in it. I, I think a lot of the time, what I really like about role-playing games I like campaigns that have that possibility of danger, death, destruction um, throughout the adventure. I really like that idea of this could wipe the party or take, take one of the party's members out. And I really like that feel from, from those modules. I think is a sword and sorcery, the, the Rise of the Necromancer, is that a, a bigger adventure? Um, it's a medium-sized adventure. So Brock Grodeth was a, a small adventure, by my reckoning. Um, Secrets of Blood Rock is a, a longer adventure. It is, in TV terms, it would be um, uh, at least a two-part episode, you know, two episodes, uh, um, maybe a mini-series, probably not a whole season but definitely a, a longer thing. And you could stretch it out depending on what the characters like to do and 
And um, there's this idea that there's a clock running in the background, although the characters may not actually, the players may not know there's a clock. And when they finally do realize it, uh, it might be pretty late in the day. Fantastic. And it, you, you're obviously very skilled at creating these modules and event supplement. And you, you talked earlier on about, you know, saying that you wanted to, it was your project, etc. You know, and do you have any advice for anybody else who's sort of like going down that line that they want to publish their own adventure or supplement? What advice would you give to them? Um, uh, this harkens back to what we talked about in uh, episode five of the podcast, I guess. Uh, go for it. Um, talk to Laws, make your pitch. There are... Um, at the design mechanism website, they give you specific instructions about, you know, the kind of pitches they want to receive and what's going to be helpful to them to sort out what's going to make your product special. Um, now, that's if you're making a pitch to write for the design mechanism directly. If you want to um, write on your own, you can get the gateway license, which is what we have. Um, and there are other publishers that also have the gateway license. Basically, as long as um, it meets their um, quality and editorial standards, you know they don't they don't want to they don't want you publishing anything with the Mithras stamp on it that might reflect badly on the design mechanism. So they just basically give you uh, they get first right of refusal. So if you go to publish something, you know you need to run it by them, and if everything's in order, there's no issue. And if there's a, a problem then they'll say, sorry, wait, hold it. But to be honest, working with the design mechanism has been uh, painless uh, for me. I've, every time I interact with laws, I, uh, I get something out of it. So that's, that's fine with me. I have no trouble. That came across very much in the Gen Con panel meeting when people were asking about it. And, but also this emphasis of having the passion for what you're writing. And that was, they were saying was the you know, you must have this passion of the, the theme or the setup or the campaign. Having that passion means that you have that drive and that motivation to actually see it to the end product. So talking about end products, what, what are you currently working on? What's on the horizon from yourself? The last time we talked, I, uh, I mentioned uh, an adventure, Enemy of My Enemy. And I, uh, I've, I'm like three quarters of the way done on that. The trick is I've been three quarters of the way done on that one for like a year and a half, unfortunately. Um, and this is one of the things that I like about working on my own stuff is if I suddenly get inspired on something, it can jump other things in the pipeline. And it, for me, that's the hardest thing is getting, getting fired up, getting inspired about what to do next. I decided in uh, at first I had this idea in mind that I was going to, you know, get an idea, see it through, just just bear on through from start to finish and then move on to the next thing. And I've decided that I don't know that that's the best way for me to work necessarily. So I've shifted gears. And when I shifted gears, that meant, unfortunately, the enemy of my enemy kind of slipped down because I got inspired to do something else. 
um, back in February. This is uh, this is top secret. I'm not going to give you a title for this one, but uh, it's it's a little bit different. I don't want to give away too much because I'm running people through it right now, and I have another group that I'm going to play it with also, and I, I suspect that they may end up listening to this. So let's just say that it starts off in a rather different way than many RPG or standard, you know, typical RPG uh, games would begin. It's a little bit different. It's more of like a, a, a Buildings Roman, if you know what that is. A coming of age story where a character is going to go through some personal development and maybe make some travels and learn some things about themselves. And then there's a change. <laughs> and then things get different. <laughs> How exciting. Amazing tantalizing as well so do do you have a, a a date that this new project will be coming out or are you working to a deadline for it's it? in nearly final form right now i was working on it earlier today i'm i'm doing uh wordsmithing and proofreading one last time uh i need to get a couple small pieces of art settled because what i have now is not quite right oh that's something else i would like to talk about in a minute and but other than that you know I could hand it to you now and you could play with it. It's finished. It's good to go, but it's not polished up yet. So depending on how much free time I, uh, I have, I don't know, it could, be, it could be done in a week. It could be done in three weeks, but soon, quite soon. It's right there. You got me hooked already and I'm very much looking forward to it. I would, I would love to see you guys play this one, actually. I think that might be rather entertaining. <laughs> I'm sure it would be. Well, was there something about artwork that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, that was one of the things that I, um, a conscious decision that I made in the beginning with Old Bones is that it was going to be rather bare bones in the sense that substance over style is my watchword. Uh, that's not to say that I don't want there to be any style at all, but yeah, I think that bad artwork and layout is worse than none and good artwork uh, costs a lot of money, basically. And again, even so might be distracting. I really want the reader's mind's eye to go to work on this stuff, especially for horror. I think that's one reason that sometimes horror stories don't really work as well when they get translated to film, for example. It's because all of a sudden you have all that stuff that you created personally in your own mind that made it scary to you being spelled out from the director's point of view and that suddenly doesn't work in my campaign i'm trying to move away from very tactical based gaming sessions when there's a floor plan people are moving x amount of centimeters you know i'm trying to move away from that and i think that I like having very little artwork because I think that allows the GM and the players to imagine what it's actually like. I was just checking. I think you're, I presume these are your words that says striving to provide high quality writing in a stylish and minimalistic presentation. That's right. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you've summed it up really well there. And, and I think content is the, the major aspect publication that's what we want you know but and i i must say from delivering the modules i think that's a good description of your work i think they, there's a load of content there and also it's not necessarily jam-packed tight with artwork but i don't think the artwork needs to be there in a lot of cases i think your mind's eye gets into it and the description is fantastic and 
as you were where I was. I really like the worms in the corridor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. That was one of my most popular parts of that module. So it is the... How far does the um, Old Bones publication go? Is it international, national? Tell me a bit about that. Um, well, it's as international as the internet. You can only get these things on RPG for now. One of the things that I am most interested in, though, at like the meta level is getting the work translated into other languages. I don't want players around the world to you know, be forced to read stuff in English if they would rather have it in a different language. And there are a lot of languages, as it turns out. So I have to kind of pick and choose and do what I can. I have uh, I have deals in the works to get Old Bones publications translated into uh, French with D100.fr, into German with, what are they calling themselves, 100 Questions? It used to be Jeschelisha uh, in the past, uh, and um, I'm also in talks with 77 Mundos uh, to get it translated into Spanish. So, with a little luck, and before too long, you'll be able to old bones work in any of several languages. Fantastic! I, I was just looking at the with the Mithras Matters podcast. I have analysis of where it's listened to. And it, it's almost international. We have no listeners in Africa, though. That, that's the only continent that we don't have actually people listening in. So, yeah, I think this idea of translating it um, to other languages is absolutely fantastic. One of the things that I like, uh, I think it's a great time to be a gamer, frankly, especially with the not merely the rise of the internet, but the... Uh, all of the social media ways that we have to interact, especially I think in the past year, the Discord forum for Mithras is really terrific. And I've had a, a, a lot of opportunities to you know chat with people and, and, and make friends essentially and, and have fun discussing things with people and in either a comedic or a serious way to really get down to stuff. But um, it's also led to a lot of nice collaborations. One of the things that Laws mentioned in the uh, Gen Con seminar that they had was uh, the new publication that's coming out, although I don't think he actually named it Seasons of the Dead by Heath Delishmit. I, uh, I actually got to work on that with Heath a little bit. I, it was his terrific idea. I just helped give him a little a nudge here and there and suggested trying certain things or whatever. But that was, it was a lot of fun working with him on that. I worked with um, a umbral on Akathonic Creations on Dawn of the Red Daggers, which is a new classic fantasy module that he just put out. I uh, talked with Clarence Red, who uh, has launched Frostbite Books on early drafts of Odd Soot. That was really interesting. He had some specific things that he wanted to bounce off me, and we went back and forth. So my point is, this is a very collaborative thing. And if it's interesting to you. I maybe could work with you too on your own project coming up sometime. Just find me online. Find me on the probably Discord or maybe on the TDM forum uh, less frequently or the basic role-playing forum or Tantalorn if you're a, if you're a German enthusiast. Uh, I'm around. So if that interests you, I would I would be willing to at least chat with you about it. Fantastic. And is it Clarence Red as a M space as well. Is it the same? Yes. So he's actually coming on the podcast. Oh, terrific. 
with somebody um, called Scott. I forget his surname, but we're arranging that meeting because I want to have an M Space themed podcast episode. I would love to also do one about Luther Arkwright and sure. After the Vampire Wars and classic fantasy as well. That's is Dawn of the Red Daggers actually already available? Yes. You can get it on drive through right now if you want to. Fantastic. And Old Suit, is that... Odd soot. Odd soot. Right. That's um. That's uh. That's Clarence's other um. Is super creative. A really different take on a sort of um alternate Earth, almost a steampunk vibe to it. Kind of like what if um uh, Babbage's difference and engines made out of brass gears and everything had had taken over and space travel had been discovered very early very interesting stuff he's 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 a really good writer i, I think you'll enjoy talking to him as always matt you you come on and talk to me and now i i've got a list as long as my arm of things i need to now go out and purchase <laughs> actually um getting um I, you might be aware from the um forums the, the discord that i'm trying to get an m space campaign together and yeah and i must say i mean the people on the discord are absolutely fantastic and you know have sort of like private messaged me and said you really need to look at this download this this is really good you know and they I, i'm really looking forward to sort of like getting it all together and also looking forward to that podcast episode when um, Clarence and Scott come and join us and we sort of like have a chat about um, space, um, M space. So one, I've just got, this next question is not on here, okay, but I've been really interested uh, when I've been talking to people about the sorts of characters that they actually like to play and I was going to ask you, you, do you get the opportunity to play or are you always a, a GM or, and if you do get to play, what, what's your go-to sort of like type of character that you like to play? Um, I don't know that I have a good answer to that. I like to try different things. Uh, my favorite character from, from uh, back in the day was a, 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 a clever kind of spell sword type you know back when we were playing RuneQuest 3 he, he knew sorcery and he uh, he used not a, a huge great axe or anything but like a rapier so he was like a stick and go guy with a high dex you know and always making trouble um online I'm I'm playing a, a hunter character in a sword and sorcery game who has a new mission in life because his uh his true love was was kidnapped and now bad things have happened to her. And so he has to recover her and not only that, but redeem her because she's been transformed into a vampire. So <laughs> he has a new mission in life. Um, I'm, I'm playing a, a, a druid character in a classic fantasy game right now. The, the wild woman of the hinterlands. So she, she has a, an attitude <laughs> <laughs> how, how many games are you actually involved in at the moment? Uh, well, actually, I'm just playing in those two right now. Um, wow. I'm jamming a third one, which is the, the adventure that I've only hinted at that should be available soon. Um, 
I'm, I, I'm enjoying that so much that I suspect I'm going to keep jamming online in the background. My, my home game has kind of sputtered because people have other places where they need to be and things to do, you know, real life. But I've, I've really enjoyed actually playing online. Play by post is, um, is a nice, a, a nice uh, setting for me personally, because I think that I'm a, a better writer than an actor. And when you do play by post, you know, you kind of get to edit what your character says and does a lot more. I, I'm really interested in setting up some one-player sessions or campaigns. Where I, I'm reading a uh, while I'm listening to a book called Chain World at the moment, and I'm often really a lot of fiction just has one main character goes off and does everything. Other super fighters, and I really like that element and. I'm trying to sort of like see whether or not you can have a one-on-one campaign. Absolutely, you can. I've done it a couple times using Mithras. I, I don't play. I mean, I did get the opportunity to play with the Leoness. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> that was completely strange being on the opposite side of the game, um, but playing with, the, with Mr. Pickles and... Longshank CPG and Medivac well, was excellent. I, I really enjoyed it. So. Brilliant. Um, anything else you would like to say, Matt? Now is the time. If you want to say something, now is the time. Um, the pipeline that we have right now is actually rather wide. Um, I, I went through and counted up. I, In addition to any random ideas I kind of have floating around in the back of my mind, in terms of projects that there are actually folders with contents for in my computer, there are nine projects currently at at Old Bones in various stages of development. Um, I'll tease the other one that I'm going to do next. Well, uh, one of them, everyone who's been following the Discord already knows about pretty much. I'm going to release a uh, game aid supplement guidelines for uh, wealth status in society to round things out so that if you don't want to have to be an accountant, some people like it, but some people like me don't. If you don't want to have to be an accountant and you know follow all the gold pieces and copper pieces that your character has, and you know where it all is and what they own and what they can buy. There's there are other ways to do that. And one of the nice things about this is it fits rather naturally into the narrative part of the campaign. Instead of seeming like something totally different, it actually gets integrated a lot better that way. Maybe you get story hooks for it. You know, you get reasons for people to do things. That's underway. I've been working on that the past couple of days. And the next adventure that I have in mind is another um, uh, sword and sorcery, pure mayhem one, like uh, Savage Swords Against the Necromancer. This one's, uh, the working title is uh, Savage Swords in the City of Plagues. What could go wrong? (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Fantastic. I think that sums it up quite nicely. (laughs) Both of those sound so exciting. And when? When, Matt, I need to know when these are going to be out there. I, I love the first one. I think that's absolutely fantastic. I really like downtime in campaigns and encourage my players to sort of like provide a narrative about what they're doing. But I'm not a silver piece yeah. person, if that makes sense. I feel sometimes if you go down that route, everything becomes too mathematical. And mm-hmm. then that really... It, 
avoid being coming um being more creative with it so, you know and i must admit sometimes uh, players might say how much does that cost and i was just like well just normal you know or whatever it, right. i don't want unless they want to haggle Oh, barter. And in which case, yeah, I, I'm in there for that. Haggling and bartering? No problem. Yes. Um, that's also in one of the things that I've folded into this system. The idea being it should be simple, useful. It should be simple or, you know, and, and as far as it might be a little complicated, it should at least be straightforward so that you know what to do, right? And it should it should get you away from all of that, you know, nonsense, like, oh, well, it's 15 copper pieces and I only have 14 on my sheet. What am I going to do about the extra copper? I mean, for God's sake, right? <laughs> that just doesn't excite me at all. And the, the way that I noticed this over the years was the one part of designing an adventure that I really, that filled me with no joy at all was trying to figure out what treasure should be present, you know? And, oh, is that too much? Is that too little? Is that going to screw up the rest of the game? Because now all of a sudden everyone's going to have five points of armor, you know, that kind of thing. And this is, um, uh, when you use the scheme that I have in mind, you start describing treasure in a much different way. You, it, there are a couple of parameters like adjectives, like this is, um, this is expensive treasure or this is beyond priceless treasure or whatever. And it, it, it would last, you know, this many characters for that long. It, you start thinking, you start thinking of it in a different way. And I, and I think that's really good. I, I really like that. So I will definitely be looking out for that as well as all the uh, other modules. So if you want to get in touch with you, whereabouts can they find you? Um, if you want to get in touch with me really interactively, the best place is the Discord, probably. Um, uh, if you want to send me an email, it's old.bones.publishing at Gmail. I, I check that frequently. Yeah, yeah and uh, very easy. Um, the Discord is absolutely fantastic and very helpful and gives me lots of ideas um, as well. So, so that's brilliant. So anything else, Matt, that you want to talk about? No, I just wanted to give you some props, and Mills. Uh, you, um, you've done a lot to promote Mithras around the web, and um, your products are interesting and good. So thank you, and keep it up. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I wrote a blog post the other day that from one tweet that I made and Loz picked up on, you know, everything seems to have um, flourished. And I, I think I love the Mithras rule set. I just adore it. And I think the community, you know, the people I talk to on the podcast, the people in the Discord, the whole community is absolutely fantastic. And loads of really good experts in there uh, as well that are quite happy to share their understanding, their experience with other people. So, yeah. And so I sort of like um, just you know, support what you're saying about the Discord um, chat and the forum and do get onto it. And there is a link. Uh, I always put the link in the show notes from the um, podcast for the, uh, at the, underneath the podcast. So, yeah, so thanks again, Matt, for coming onto the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have a huge list now of things I need to go out and purchase. So... <laughs> so, so thank you for that but it's it's always fantastic to um, chat to you and hear what you're um, working on so thank you so much for coming on again thanks very much for having me I had 
had a great discussion with Matt about characters and character generation, although unfortunately I had already pressed the stop recording button so it was lost. I'm definitely learning each and every day about interviewing, technology and the actual world of podcasts. So I hope that sometimes at least the shows reflect this as the quality of the podcast increases. And on quality, yes, the sound is a bit strange on that on this episode or within that interview. I was hoping you weren't going to notice and maybe think it was something at your end. But full disclosure here, I started to use a different, more expensive microphone. But unfortunately, there are some kinks that need to be ironed out before it sounds better. So I'm leaving the dynamic mic at the moment and returning to my old faithful condenser one. When I started to play Mithras, I was never aware of the number of supplements and support material that is actually out there. And meeting and talking to people via this podcast and the excellent Discord channel, links in the show note, has certainly made me aware of the wealth of high quality material which is out there. And just to reflect what I said previously and in that interview, yes, October's episode of Mithras Matters will be about M space. So keep an eye or ear open for that. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. I'm going to head off and start editing the interview for October's episode, which will be focusing on, I hope you know by now, M space. Yeah, I said it for one last time. And to sort out some of my sound issues when interviewing. So until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in October. Until then, I hope all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. So please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you. I don't think anybody ever listens after the music, but I'd just like to say if, um, that October's episode is all about M space, would you believe? Thanks. Bye.